Hello and welcome to Lars and Pride and Liverpool. I'm Lewis Jennings and over the next half hour you'll be hearing from three amazing guests including Felix Mufti-Wright, Kevin Robinson and Joan Burnett. But before we get underway, I'd just like to take a moment to explain why I'm doing this podcast. First and foremost, the main aim is to bring conversations on LGBTQ plus to the forefront. And how I'll do this is through three segments. The dialogue, in which guests will talk about a specific subject that needs attention right now. So today, Felix Mufti-Wright, a transgender man and activist, will be talking about how coronavirus has affected his transition. He also speaks out on how mainstream media creates a harmful narrative around being transgender. The next segment, Confessions from the Closet, is all about people's coming out stories. Now, the main reason I want to do this segment is to inspire and encourage anyone who is thinking of coming out. Later on, Kevin Robinson, the founder of Everton Together, shares his story. The final segment, Queeros, celebrates people in Liverpool and beyond doing incredible work for the LGBT plus community. Our first Queero is Joan Bennett, a queer film programmer who is currently working with a team from Liverpool City Region Prides to showcase LGBT plus films. Anyway, that's enough from me. Let's hear from our first guest. My first guest today is Felix Mufti Wright, a 19-year-old transgender man and one of the founders of Transcend Theatre. How are you today, Felix? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. You know, I'm getting a bit sick of being in my house all day, every day, but we move, we move. Has coronavirus had an impact on like, your treatments or anything? Um, well, like now, I have to get like my testosterone sent to the house, but it's always a bit of like a mess trying to get the testosterone because what I have to do is I have to send it off to the doctors, but then I have to make a separate appointment to get it done in the treatment center. So now it's like, I have to like send it through that well app and then get it sent to my house and then book another appointment with the treatment center. So it's just a bit of a rigmarole and getting blood tests as well. Like I have to get my blood tests in a specific hospital in the Wirral because they're the only ones who like specialize in like transgender care. Well, I can't get my blood test there while this is all going on. So my bloods are kind of just untested for the moment. So it has caused some complications, definitely. And I know a lot of like my friends who've had top surgery appointments and been waiting for like years and years and years and years, like had them like rescheduled or like cancelled and stuff. So I know that's had a massive impact on the community as well. So you came out to 13 as transgender, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what was that like? It was like, I think it was hard because, you know, at that stage, you do go through a lot of phases. You know, we all go through a lot of phases. So I think when I was saying that, people thought that was a phase just because of my age, really. And I had a lot of people in my life who were not necessarily transphobic people, but who had problems with it because of how young I was. You know what I mean? Which was hard because as well, it was like, I was trying to explain myself and it's like, I was trying to explain to everyone what it was like, but I didn't have all the answers. You know, people think that when you come out as gay or you come out as trans or whatever, it comes with this handbook and we know exactly what's going on with us and we know exactly what to say to people, but we don't. You know, there's a lot of things we have to learn. It's a process for us just as much as it's a process for the people accepting it. So I think like when I came out so young, everyone was asking me so many questions and doing this and doing that and doing this. And I always say with questions, it's about the intention. You know, if someone's asking me something because they genuinely want to know 
and they genuinely are trying to educate themselves, amazing, perfect. I'm happy to answer it. But if people are asking me questions for their own gain or just because they think it's a bit, ooh, you know, something they want to know about just like because they find it interesting, that's where the problems are. And I think that's what I add a lot of, you know what I mean? People just being nosy and being like, so how does this work? So how does this work? So how does this work? And not wanting to ask because they wanted to educate themselves, just asking because they wanted a bit of gossip, you know what I mean? Something to talk about. And I think where I was going wrong, I was entertaining it and entertaining it and entertaining it and kind of basically just get letting the mick get taken out of me. I went to an all-girls school as well, and, like, you know, it was so bitchy. Like, it was. Like, people would just gossip about everything. Like, just talk about absolutely nothing, but make it into huge, huge, huge things. So when I came out, it was, like, the news of the school. You know, everyone knew about it. I was always... Before I came out, I was quite quiet. Like, I, I kind of kept myself to myself. But after that, it was like, I was, like, thrown into the spotlight. You know what I mean? And, like, I, I just really, I didn't have the answers for all the questions people were asking. And that was what I found really difficult because I think I was just saying things for the sake of them and not even knowing myself, but just feeling like I had to live up to this expectation of what people wanted me to say, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely, yeah. So your parents were okay, weren't they? They were just more worried about, like, how other people would perceive you. Yeah, yeah, I think this is the thing. Like, there, there was never a problem in, like, a discriminatory sense. It was just in the way that people would have reactions to it in the wider world. You know, talking about being trans is quite taboo still. You know, it doesn't get positive coverage in the media. It, you know, we see all this J.K. Rowling stuff going on uh, right so now. It's crazy and people signing letters in support of J.K. Rowling and, and as much as, you know, our community and our allies try and oppose it, it's still the number one bestseller, her new book. You know, it's, it's hard. It is, it is hard and it, there always feels like there's a witch hunt after trans people. So I think that's what, you know, my family had reservations about. It wasn't necessarily that part of my identity. It was just how people would perceive that because the problems that come with being trans are at the hands of cis people, which means not trans people for anyone who doesn't know. Um, you know, it's, it's not necessarily how you feel about yourself because, you know, that comes with time, but it's about other people's perceptions and the stereotypes and the negative media coverage that makes it difficult for trans people to be out and proud. And how do you think then we tackle these problems that society has? Like just listening to trans people, like even listening to like podcasts like this, you know, that's what people need to do, educating themselves with the right material because the right material is not the mainstream media. You know, I do my best to stay away from mainstream media news now. You know, on Snapchat, when there's them little tiles, I'm like, I do not want to see this content anymore, every single one, because it's not progressive, because it's not teaching you the right things. You know, things like pink news, things like LGBT sourced information are where people should be looking at for the answers to questions that they have, but they're not. You know, I, I do a lot of activism work. I do a lot of speeches and I do a lot of speeches about being trans in settings that wouldn't people wouldn't necessarily know about being trans. Um, I did want to, um, this like Truth to the Power Cafe at the Unity a few months ago and someone came up to me and they said, the only time I've ever heard about trans people is from Piers Morgan. And I was like, Pfft. That's from Piers Morgan, you know what I mean? Yeah. He is not what I would call an ally for any sort of, like, human rights issue. Like, so, um, 
So that, and, and that was, that, you know, that was a comment that really broke through to me and that I always carry that it's important for me to talk about these things, but it's so important for me to do it in settings that people aren't hearing these things even more yeah. because that's where it really, really makes a difference. And because people just, just like take in what they hear and see it as the truth. They don't listen to the people whose lived experiences it is. And this is where it's going wrong because even when the media are trying to cover it in a positive way, they're not asking the trans people. And that's the only people whose opinion should matter at the end of the day because they're the only people who will experience transphobia firsthand. You know, it's important for our allies to lift us up and give us platforms, but it's important that we're platforming the right people to spread the right information in order to educate and make a better society where people just understand more because there's a difference between hatred and ignorance and ignorance is just a lack of education. Usually hatred is something that is harder to solve because it comes from other problems. Hatred usually comes from reflecting, you know, it normally comes from a self-hatred. So reflecting and projecting it onto marginalized communities as just a way to feel better about yourself. But ignorance is just when people genuinely don't understand something and so therefore think badly about it because it's just that fear of the unknown. And that's who we need to think about, you know, educating and helping and just making sure they know the right stuff. You know, the ignorant people. So I'm here with Kevin Robinson, the co-founder of Evidence Together, and also in the running for the next election to the Green Party. Yeah, yeah. So what's going on with that? I don't know, I'm just made up to be selected, do you know what I mean? I think that we need... I won't make it too political in case you get off council at news, but I just want to make I want to be a local councillor yeah. for, for, for Everton because I've grew up there, born and bred there. Do you know what I mean? So I think local local places are missing local councillors. Yeah, and you know, being gay, how has that affected like your political career? I don't know because I'm a different person. I was ten years ago. Do you know what I mean? Ten years ago, I I, I was playing for three different footy teams. I was all forced, all lighter, and then I snapped me knee. I snapped me knee playing footy, and I've. Me, uh, should be patella tendon so I had like five or six operations on that and then that kind of threw me back then because I, at that time we used to go to gay bars with a couple of mates who, who knew I was gay and then I'd go out with other mates from other from another group of footy who didn't know I was gay and I'd end up in flares or do you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> somewhere like that or uh, concert square and, and I'd pretending to be straight and it was just a nightmare but I think politically it, it's good I think it's good to be gay because I don't force it I'm not like <clears throat> you know where people use it as a, as a I'm gay so you've got to kind of have someone who's gay on the board kind of thing or someone who's gay as a counsellor you know yeah, I mean? yeah just taking boxes I don't use it as that yes. yeah because I don't, see, I don't want to just be a boxer as you say but they take yeah. boxes isn't it? but then I think it's important as well because I think like a lot of like the older generation when they've been growing up they haven't had any like gay or lesbian politicians or transgender politicians to represent them so I think it's important obviously to have someone especially like an area like Everton yeah. or Foxhall you know where there's a bit of a gang culture, isn't there? Like, there's a lot of um, laddie lad type. That's it. There's still stuff a lot of going, going on as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I was saying this to me the other day. The other day. I mean, going back five or six months ago, we were walking through the park and we got almost all the clear views. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Everton Park. Did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you seen John? Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. up on there, and we had the dog, and um, we were walking through the park, and there was like a group of lads sitting. There was a twenty odd. Well, there's this idea in Everton and in Vauxhall as well. I've seen it where you've got twenty. Two, 23, 24 year old fellas yeah. standing outside smoking weed or oh, yeah. cans and yeah. oh my god are you 12 do you know what I mean I know. Yeah. and we were walking past them one of them shouted is, 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 that, is that a queer or 
the word for the D word for for a lesbian. Really? Sorry. Well, and he shouted it again, and he, he got a call. He went, "What are you saying?" And he said it again. I said, "Just leave it." I said, "Cause there's no there's no reason why I'm not going to confront him because there's a Martian and them two of us walking a chihuahua. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm not going <laughs> to confront him. <laughs> I'm not going to confront him. But then, yeah, it's a couple of times where he's had he's had it himself because. I don't fit into the little pigeonhole of, of, of a look gay kind of thing. Yeah. Every evening work now, the lads you work with, you, you wouldn't tell you a gay, yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Whereas if, I think it's for a lot of people you, you can tell if the, the you can tell the gay kind of thing, do you know? It's yeah, because they like they have a flamboyant like personality yeah. or, or something. Yeah, or yeah. something like you know, and I think it's harder for them. It's the lonely kind of because you know living around here yeah, yeah. and living by ours, there'll be people in the shop and Ah, oh, stop being a little queer. You don't mean not buy it in that way. Yeah, yeah. Just to one of the mates, but you're like, hang on a minute, that's like proper offensive. Exactly. Like, you, you just can't use words like that, especially if you're not queer. Like you, yeah. not you've got no right to be saying that. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. that's nothing to do with you. Like it's still happening today. Because I remember in school back in the day when everyone used it as a insult. Even myself, I was because I wouldn't necessarily know the ramifications of using that way because you just don't. And then that that that's what I think is important as well is like teaching kids so like. What, what language you use and why you shouldn't like just throw out gay or puff or faggot because them words they don't belong to you they, they never did you know what I mean like especially if you're in a group and if there's somebody who is gay yeah do you know what I mean it's going to make it even harder for them to come out if they're thinking I'm going to make me to call them a faggot yeah do you know what I mean what chance have I got to call them in exactly yeah. like you don't realise the knock on effect that your words can have especially when you don't know what someone's going through and then you could say something not even meaning anything mm. negative by it, but you've just said that one word and then they'll just hang on to that one word because yeah. they're already worried, they'll start to think. That's it, it, it blows up in your head, yeah. doesn't it? Did that ever happen with you when you were younger then? Yeah, well, when I, I mean, I didn't come out till I was 24. 24. Do you know what I mean? But I think, going back to when I was, I was younger, I used to go, if I had a date with a lad, I went on a date with a lad from Witness and it was so hard because we went to town. And like he wanted to be a bit touchy feely old hands and I was like none of that, do you know what I mean? No, no. <laughs> and like it was like I was worried people are seeing with a lad who you could tell was 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 more more flamboyant, flamboyant a lot more yeah. flamboyant and you could tell he was gay. Yeah. And then at the end of the day we I was putting him back on the bus and he went to I said, So I'll text him and he went, No. And he went to you you're like, You're so far in the closet, you're touching Narnia. Oh, really? Yeah. I was like, Okay, I'll use that one but but I thought like I'm on the closet to him but I like I think it must have been so annoying not to be kind of I don't really I wanted to be with him I wanted to go like with him but I didn't want people to see me with him yeah yeah do you know what I mean yeah. I, had, I had girlfriends and everything and as soon as I got a bit too serious I'd always get rid because I think it's not fair because mm. my me, me mate's brother was, was married with kids when he came out was and he that always stuck in me that from when I was about 15 16 that yeah. I, I don't want that to be me. Because my partner, John. How long have you been with him for? Too long. Uh, <laughs> in, in, gay, in gay years, like a lifetime. Do you know? <laughs> it was nine years. Nine years. But yeah. when I came out, I was bringing him to ours. Um, this was my mate, John. Right, so my mum and dad, I like John. You can tell John's gay. All right, John, blah, blah, blah. So I've got, got a girlfriend called Joanne, right? So I'm going to Joanne's. I've got to make called Joe sometimes I think you should get onto this do you know what I mean so I brought him down this is Joe we're going on a picnic so I'm thinking oh god so in the end I told my mum in the back kitchen she's like what about Joanne I was like oh it's my mate Paul at the time with me I was like there is no jo- Joe is Joanne I was just saying it to do you know what I mean she's like no no and then I told her again and she was, she was alright and then the next day my mate we went out to town that night 
with my mate Paul, and he stayed over and then I told him, my dad, my dad was actually, he was alright with it. Yeah. I was more bothered about telling my dad, because my dad's old school. Well that's it. I, th- I think you're always worried about telling like the male, the male whoever man. the male is in your life, isn't it? Yeah. Like, you're always more worried about telling them. And what would you say to like, anyone who's listening, you, you might be in the closet and like, they're worried about coming out? I, just, you know, I think you've got, when I came out, pick your best mate or a close mate, start getting a relationship with them where they'll give you support and you can you can come out to more people then. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think it depends on the, the, the people's circumstances, but as you say, there's, there's like like Joe or there's other lads like him who didn't even have to come out because they were so flamboyant and so camp that the pain probably, like, oh, he knew that he was gay, do you know what I mean? Where does it my mum and dad had no idea, mm. do you know what I mean? My sisters and my brothers had no idea. Mm. And that was so hard because, do you know, it's like you, you just like yourself for a massive part in your life. So, our final guest today is Joan Burnett, who is our first queero. Joan is a physical service manager, a fact, and as well, you're a queer film programmer, aren't you? So, today we're going to be talking about queer films and you know, how they've influenced you and the work that you do. With LTR Pride, you've, you've been doing online screenings, haven't you, of queer films? I'm part of a whole team of people. So uh, I, I couldn't say I was the only person by any means. There's lots and lots of lovely people working on that and working very hard on it. So it grew out of the film programme that we already had. So the Liverpool City Region Pride, uh, we carried on the film programme from Liverpool Pride and we've been running physical film nights at Picture House at Fact for the uh, best part of 10 years. Uh, but obviously, the COVIDitis mm-hmm. came upon us. Uh, uh, and really, as Andy uh, Herring at LCR Pride, he said, why don't we go online? Um, and so that seemed like a great idea. But rather than showing a feature film that we would normally do, uh, we um, show short films. So it's just like a quick little bite uh, out of an evening for somebody. Uh, so every Friday night from five o'clock, there's a short film selection up there and people can just dip into it then rather than uh, committing the whole evening to watching a film online. Because you can do that on Netflix and you can do that on the telly and you can do that absolutely everywhere. But um, very specifically for LCR Pride, we're looking at new filmmakers making new voices really and short film is the perfect place for that because you don't necessarily need a lot of money to make short film. And we've focused on really diversity uh, in the different the different people who are making the films as well as the different subjects in the films. What we want to focus on specifically, as I say, was younger filmmakers and maybe different voices. Uh, we use a, t- a tool called Film Freeway, which is uh, a way that filmmakers can submit their films to us. And so we've had films from all over the world. It's been absolutely extraordinary. Is there any standouts for you? My background, uh, my uh, history is uh, I'm, um, my family are from Wales originally, but we lived in Liverpool a long time. And so one of the standouts for me is a film called Culture. Kul- I'm going to stammer over it now. Kulchdelin, which just means leaf boat. And it's a really beautiful short film about a lesbian relationship where one of them is very confident and the other woman is very nervous. And The Leaf Boat is a little animated film about self-care and how to, how to trust another person. And I think that's one of the standouts for me. But we've really tried to go for all kinds of different subjects. So uh, 
the the LG, the B and the T, very importantly. And we've also teamed up with uh, Transpride in Liverpool and worked with Kelly Stubbs. And she's chosen a selection of trans short films that are going to come online now. So the next few selections will actually be Kelly's selections. And so I can't stress enough that I'm only one person in this team of people. I'm particularly interested in films that show our lives as rounded human beings. So it might be a coming out story, or it might be the story of, of what it's like to work in a factory when everybody around you is homophobic. Could be a film about a drag queen walking home from the pub one night and um, meeting somebody randomly and that the conversation that comes out of that meeting and bringing on a realisation about her next step in life. So we really wanted to focus on our lives, not just our politics, although our politics are unbelievably important. What I like as well from the sounds of that is usually with like when, when there's gay characters in films are fine. They're not really like given the dimensions that other like characters are specifically state characters. They always like seem to meet a tragic ending or you know, they're just used as a support and actor really instead of like giving the you know the main role. I particularly hate the tragic ending. I hope nobody's offended by this by a absolutely sick of films. <laughs> But LGBT people are victims. I'm not interested in it. There's some great, great films out there. Um, but I'm not, I just don't want to see it over and over again. You know, we are more than victims. We are people. We're just living our lives. It's not to say we don't have problems. It's not to say that life isn't sometimes very difficult for us, especially during lockdown with people who are in um, households were made, that maybe aren't, aren't supportive. So I'm not saying we... we don't have difficult things in our lives. But you know you can make films about all kinds of things. Why do you think it's important that you make LGBT films more accessible to like mainstream audiences? I think it comes from my own experience. So um obviously I am quite old. For people who don't know me, I'm in my 50s. I'm not I'm not a child. Uh so it was very hard to see LGBT content. And I'm talking about the 1980s really very hard to see anything not that much coverage on television and what was on television was exactly that thing we hate it was always lgbt people as victims or needy or evil quite often actually very very prejudiced and so it was a rebellion against that really i would read um lgbt magazines and be reading about these fantastic films that they'd seen at a festival in london and then never be able to see them and it made me furious and that uh carried on really through my adult life and then I started volunteering on an LGBT film festival in Liverpool about 15 years ago called Outsiders and again older people will remember that it was run by an amazing guy called Matthew Fox Uh, and it was just extraordinary it was a brilliant festival and I started out by volunteering basically putting the stamps on the envelopes for the mailing list and then Matt who's a very kind man uh, let me start choosing films And we had an ethos about choosing films that are not just run of the mill. And what I believe, what I really want to do right to the present day is make sure that it's not just the big commercial films. So those films are great. You know, Call Me By Your Name or Pride or Behind the Candelabra, Carol. Those are all wonderful films and nothing wrong with them. But they have a huge marketing budget. They have a studio behind them. (laughs) 
I'm really interested in films that maybe don't have that. Maybe are more quirky, they're more independent, or they're from a different country. They're not from the US or the UK. So there's a different point of view. And why that's so important is I feel as though we need to see ourselves. I still think that's important, even now. Like people quite often say to me, well, why do you bother? Just the internet. People can call, dial up any film they want, you know, just see whatever they like. It's like, yeah, but isn't it nice to know that you're watching it with an audience? My preference would be in a cinema because then you can you can see the whites of their eyes and you can hear them breathing in the darkness. You know, it's live. It's a brilliant experience. That's all for today's episode. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Loud and Proud in. Our DMs are always open if you want to share your story or even if you just want to talk about something that you've got going on. So thanks for listening and don't forget to subscribe and spread the word. Bye.